T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I am one of your hosts, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, president and CEO of The Connection, and I have a special co-host with me today, and that's Beth Connor, who is our Chief Administrative Officer at The Connection. Good morning, Beth. Hi, Lisa. Nice to see you this How morning. Are you? you too. Sunday morning, Beth. I know. We I know. Are, it's early. It's early. It's early. But we're really excited to um, bring you another show today. Um, Ann Baldwin, who's normally with me, it took some very needed vacation time to visit family, so Beth is joining me today. And Beth and I are really excited about our guest for many reasons. And joining us today is Karen Buckley. She is the Vice President of Advocacy for the Connecticut Hospital Association, CHA, since July of 2015. Prior to that, she served as CHA's Director of Government Relations. Karen helps lead the development of CHA's advocacy priorities and is an integral is integral to the development of the strategies to implement these goals. In addition, she leads and coordinates initiatives and collaborations with many external groups, including state agencies on joint advocacy, education, and relationship building activities. Karen also is responsible for advocating for legislative and regulatory improvement on behalf of member hospitals and their patients in Connecticut. She's also a team leader for the Connecticut Healthcare Association Collaborative, which is a coalition of five Connecticut healthcare associations that work together to improve public policy and quality of care for patients across all healthcare settings. Um, we're really excited. Welcome, Karen, to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited. And in addition to that, Karen also sits on our Connection, Inc. board. So we're really excited to not only have Karen today as a board member, but also representing CHA and to really talk about all of the exciting things um, that's going on, especially during this time uh, with COVID. 
you've got your ear to what's going on, right, Karen? Yes, I do. I uh, COVID is my every every moment of every day these days. Um, as I'm you know, sure it is. Are the yeah the front line some of the front line workers um, who are dealing with uh, some of the sickest patients. So we're actively working on their behalf so that we can respond to uh, all of the patient needs. So I know people are interested about the vaccine, right? We're hearing about it in the newspapers. Uh, We are anxiously awaiting it to be rolled out in Connecticut. What can you tell us about the vaccine? When will it be here? Who's getting prioritized? What do you know about it? Sure. Well, so we're working very closely with the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Um, All of the hospitals participate in uh, at least weekly conversations with the Department of Public Health, um, getting ready for uh, the distribution. The priority groups um, have been uh, just set, if you will, by the um, on the federal level, Um, and so the frontline workers or healthcare workers, uh, people who are uh, working with people in nursing homes and hospitals, um, medical practices will be in the uh, front line, uh, first in line uh, to have the available vaccines. Um, And then uh, it'll move to uh, nursing home patients or at-risk patients and then um, slowly work down that line to the available public. Um, It is uh, expected or we're told to expect that the first vaccine, which is a Pfizer vaccine, would be available sometime around mid-December. December December 15th is a date that's been floating around. Um, And we do know from our um, uh, weekly huddle calls with uh, providers and representatives from across the continuum uh, that Pfizer has been manufacturing the vaccine with anticipation of it being approved um, with the intent of shipping uh, as soon as that final approval happens. So uh, we are working with DPH every week to have a plan in place um, to vaccinate um, all of those folks uh, who are uh, responding to those who are sick and in need. And uh, and then we're working with them kind of on a long-term plan to how we can work together to get everybody vaccinated who needs to be vaccinated. Is this vaccine going to be given in a round of two series or is it just one? Um, it is. All of the vaccines that are currently in process uh, for approval um, are require two vaccines uh, about a month apart. Um, we the vaccines are currently being uh, expected to be provided through an operation on the federal level called Operation Warp Speed, uh, mm-hmm. which was put in place to not only address um, kind of uh, fast-tracking, if you will, uh, vaccination products, but also uh, therapeutics and drugs to help treat uh, COVID-19. Uh, we have, I think, three or four that have come through that process already. Um, so uh, the intent, as we understand it, um, and guidance Uh, is coming out every day is that the feds would provide uh, the first round of doses to the um, states um, and then we'd hold back, if you will, the second dose so that uh, we would ensure that every person who got the first dose would get the second. Um, And there is a national um, uh, system, uh, uh, software system that they've uh, made available to states um, and providers um, called VAMS. Uh, to uh, 
help track patients so that we know that when Lisa comes in for her first shot, she'll get an email or a notification to come in for the second, um, and that we will ensure that there's enough vaccination available. Um, uh, so hopefully that will help. One of the complicating factors uh, about at least one of the vaccines, the first one, the uh, Pfizer, is that it requires a very, very cold storage. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it's negative 70 degrees. Um, and so um, hospitals uh, throughout the state have uh, moved to ensure that they either, either have this specialized storage on site or have ordered it to arrive by um, the middle of December. It's called ultra-cold storage. The other two vaccines that are um, kind of in the pipeline do not require the ultra-cold, just regular cold storage. Um, uh, So one of the reasons that they're starting with healthcare workers and this vaccine is that hospitals are able to um, store it properly um, and maintain the temperatures needed to uh, keep it safe and effective. Karen, I know that you do need the two vaccines in order for uh, it to be effective, correct? I've, and I've also heard a little bit about side effects um, potentially from that first vaccine. So what can you tell us about the vaccine itself and, you know, what early reports are in terms of its effectiveness and what people will experience? So the vaccines that are uh, being discussed right now both have a very high uh, level of effectiveness that's coming out of the studies that have been completed. And what that takes into account is having the two doses. Um, So the expectation is that you should have the two. I don't uh, know how much data there is out there if you don't end up getting the second dose. Um, I think at least if you talk to medical professionals, they think, well, there's at least some level of immunity that you and protection you build up, but that really to get to the 90 to 95% effectiveness, which is really what's being reported out there, you need to have um, the second dose. And the time period for the second dose, depending on um, which vaccine you have, there's a Pfizer one that's uh, at least 21 days, and Moderna is the second one, and that's at least 28 days. Um, As with any uh, vaccine, um, and also in this case, any of the therapeutics uh, under Operation Warp Speed or medications, there is a strong um, reporting system in place uh, for any adverse events um, that is routinely in place for vaccines um, uh, and pretty readily uh, known. Um, And it's a way in which the feds can take, uh, if you will, immediate uh, results and information from providers and use that to um, uh, act appropriately if necessary relative to the vaccine or um, the other medications. Um, you know, one of the things that we're looking at as um, hospitals and healthcare providers is, um, as with most vaccines, there is a, a thought that um, if you have the vaccine that you may develop a low-grade fever um, as a result of the vaccine, which is not uncommon uh, for vaccines. But how do we handle that uh, when we look at the responses of um, the ability of staff to respond to things? Because um, right now, as you know, for COVID-19, one of the indicators that you look for in screening for COVID-19 is a low-grade fever or fever. Um, and to the extent that you're vaccinating all these people who may then develop a low-grade fever, you have to figure out how you um, continue to protect patients 
and uh, monitor for symptoms that are from the vaccine and symptoms from COVID. So one of the one of the items we continue to struggle with and working with DPH on is what's the guidance they're going to give us because we do expect that there will be folks that have um, a low-grade fever. And one of the ways um, that we're hoping to manage that and looking to manage that is um, how we vaccinate folks, right? So if uh, we're going to see that, we're not going to have everybody in one location, ICU, get vaccinated at the same time necessarily um, so that you we have a steady stream of employees who can meet needs. So how are things going now, you know, in, in this month of, of December? I know everybody's worried about uh, the holidays, about, uh, you know, contact with friends and family. How are things at the hospital these days? So I think um, things are, um, from Connecticut's perspective, going um, uh, going as well as can be expected at this point in the second wave. Um, you know, we have been uh, fortunate that we've been able to meet patient needs and um, have enough bed capacity and uh, flexibility within the system to uh, meet patient needs. And unlike some other states which have been experiencing some issues with bed capacity, um, that being said, uh, the numbers are uh, increasing quite rapidly uh, of cases uh, in Connecticut, and that is a concern. So, you know, the one message that we continue to convey is uh, wash your hands, wear your mask, keep your social distance. Um, we encourage people to stay with either their pod or in their bubble so that you're not um, exposed to a lot of people or exposing others because you can be asymptomatic and positive and not know it. Uh, we have seen an increase in uh, people going out and getting tested. Um, and just want to remind folks, you know, that is uh, a mechanism to kind of understand your status at the time of the test, right? So it's a it's a point in time indicator. It's right. not um, it's not at the end all be all, but it is um, an indicator of where you're at. That uh, should not be <laughs> permission to go out and do uh, anything you want to do. Uh, you know, have large parties or large gatherings. Um, we you know we would encourage folks to. Uh, uh, try and enjoy the holidays uh, with a hope that you'll all be able to enjoy the holidays together in a larger group next year um, because uh, we need to keep uh, the numbers under control. Um, there's kind of two issues with wearing masks. One is keeping um, stopping the spread as much as possible. Uh, and the second is, uh, you know, we heard this early on in the pandemic, flattening the curve. And what we mean by that is, um, you know, trying to spread out, if you will, those that might actually get the vaccine so that they're not all um, surging at the same time and needing something at the same time. We do track available beds, um, both ICU beds and available beds in hospitals, and hospitals um, look at that every day and um, can surge and create new capacity um, as needed. Um, we also track ventilators um, and other key items that are needed for treatment. Um, one other positive that we've seen uh, in the second wave is that the length of time or length of stay that someone is in a hospital uh, for COVID has um, reduced from what we saw in the first wave. There's a couple of different reasons for that. Uh, one is treatment. Um, there are some new treatments modalities that have come from the federal government. Um, 
Uh, second is, uh, you know, we when during the first wave, we were kind of learning to fly the plane at the time that we were flying uh-huh. it. Um, and so right. we've learned a lot uh, about treatment. Um, and, you know, during the first wave, our clinicians were on the phone multiple times every week talking about things they were seeing and sharing information, which uh, really helped to um, allow clinicians to... Uh, you know, change how they were practicing and delivering care uh, to meet patient needs. Because um, it was originally just thought to be a respiratory disease, but as you probably know, um, it has impact for clotting and other um, system issues. So as that developed, um, the delivery, how care was delivered uh, has changed. In fact, initially, uh, the first uh, I don't want to say first line of treatment, but one of the one of the things that uh, was used uh, was ventilators, and that's really something that's used further down the line um, after other things have um, not been successful at this point, uh, and that seems to have created better outcomes for patients overall. That is good news. I, and and I great news, point, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the point is, too, Karen, as you mentioned, uh, you know, you hear some people talking and they'll say, uh, well, we're going to get together, our whole family's going to get together, we're all going to get tested ahead of the, the party, right, ahead of the gathering, and then if everybody's okay that day, then we're going to get together. But what you're saying is, no, uh, it's a point in time, it does not guarantee mm-hmm. that you're COVID-free, and you can't take that risk, Right. I mean, uh, so I, as a personal example, you know, I had my family tested prior to the holidays. Um, it was my same bubble that I've always had, uh, but we did um, test uh, because we have some folks that have risk categories. And um, that being said, we still uh, spent probably almost all of the day in masks in, internally uh, at the house. So, um it's you know you you should still take that extra step um, to um, be cautious, right? You should assume kind of people around you could be contagious and um, not put yourself at unnecessary risk. There's really no reason for it, um, you know, just for perhaps a little bit of discomfort with a mask. So let's just play out the scenario. I get I get my vaccine, right? Not the first wave mm-hmm. of vaccine. Now that does not mean that I that I'm not going to stop wearing a mask, that I'm not going to stop washing my hands, that I'm not going to do any of that. And and I w- I wonder how you feel about you know what the guidelines are. You know how much are there? Will they not change once we roll this out? As far as you know, protecting yourself and following the general guidance. I, I would, I'm just assuming that that's not going to change yet. Is that correct? Right. I'm assuming um, that the guidance on mask wearing and uh, social distancing and not large gatherings will be in place for quite some time. A while. Uh, because even with, um, remember, the production of the vaccination, you know, they have to get these vaccines to every state. Um, mm-hmm. And while the numbers seem big, they're really not that big when you look at who uh, needs to get them. Um, and, um, you know, so I think the goal first is to do that phase one, which is healthcare workers and elderly and congregant settings, which are like the most at risk. But I, I think the general public is not going to see the vaccine until um, next year, maybe spring maybe later, depending on how the production of the vaccine goes and the approval process. So I think, you know, people, um, 
mask wearing and social distancing will be the norm for a little bit longer. Um, and if we all uh, kind of take that seriously and uh, then get vaccinated, we hopefully will have a different summer ahead. Uh, what have you heard about uh, the state and lockdown? So that's a great question, and I think um, a lot of medical professionals are, are debating that now. Um, so certainly um, the activities of re- reducing large groups together um, and all of those um, measures have been helpful and continue to be helpful. Um, I think the concern that I've heard uh, being raised uh, about the break December, you know, to the, after the Christmas uh, holiday into the new year um, is that folks are concerned that the alternative will be uh, people are together during the holiday and more likely to gather together. Um, mm-hmm. And it might not have the desired effect. So what Rhode Island is doing right now, I think they're at four, 14 days or trying 14 days of um, shutdown to kind of stop the spread. And part of the reason they're doing that, as I understand it, is because they are concerned about available bed capacity at their hospitals. Okay. Um, and so they're they're trying to stop the spread. So it is certainly true that if you kind of look at wave one, when no one went anywhere and interacted in any way, kids weren't at school, uh, you know, you weren't going to anywhere but the grocery store, uh, that, you know, there was, uh, I think one could argue there was less spread. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, there are ways in which uh, to balance things. And I think that's what um, the governor in Connecticut is trying to do. Um, he's trying to balance, you know, because we can't have uh, an economy, quite frankly, where every uh, restaurant and every business closes down. That that has right. long-lasting effects on uh, individual people, right? The economy sure. and, and individuals, right? If they're not working, uh, how do they pay their rent? How do they pay for food? How do they feed their kids? How do they get, you know, um, get kids where they mm-hmm. need to get to? Um, so I think, you know, they're trying to be thoughtful about that. Um, the idea behind it would be, uh, you know, everybody kind of stayed home and it would um, help control things. If everybody did stay home, it probably would help control things. I think the concern is between Christmas and New Year. Uh, there's no school. Lots of people gather together during uh, family at the holiday with family at the holidays, and that might defeat the purpose of trying to create, uh, you know, less spread. It may actually have an alternative. Sure. So sure. that's that's mm-hmm. I think that's the actual intellectual conversation that's going on right now, which which might be the best opportunity for us to help stop the spread. So much to think about. Karen, we're almost out of time here. Um, What would you uh, tell our listeners in terms of what they can do individually to uh, get through this this season? You know, I think just, uh, you know, this is an opportunity to uh, embrace that this year is just going to be different. It's not going to be the traditions you've always had, uh, but hopefully we will, um, if everybody, uh, you know, stays with their bubble, keeps their mask on whenever possible, washes their hands all the time, and and doesn't interact where they don't need to interact, that that we'll all uh, be able to enjoy all of the holidays next year. That's certainly my hope. Um, and, you know, to take the time to do uh, nothing if you need to uh, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just call a friend, um, you know, it's yeah. a little bit different because you're not going out to eat. But um, to try and find a different way to connect with people, um, I, I can assure you that everybody is feeling the same way. 
uh, and looking for some connection. So um, finding that creative way to have a connection that you wouldn't have, whether it's a text or just a phone call, quick phone call to check in, um, I think that helps uh, everybody involved. That's well, well said. We really, we're really grateful, Karen, not only that you're on our board, but we're so grateful for the work that you're doing in Connecticut. And this was really a wonderful show today. Um, and providing um, us and our listeners with information on the work that's happening with the vaccine and, and your role and um, getting involved in this is just really so instrumental for us. And I want to invite you to come back again um, oh, once the vaccine gets rolled out and to talk more. Um, this has been a great show. And what I'd like to do is just thank you, Karen, and thank you, Beth, for being here today. But most importantly, we want to thank our listeners right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.